You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ears. And I say daily, um, I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. This is uh, this is the first of two episodes released on Thursday. We did not have an episode on Wednesday. What with the day game for the Blue Jays and my partner really wanting to go to the ocean. So being the loving partner that I am, I obliged and we spent some time at the ocean. And that was a lot more enjoyable than watching the Blue Jays offense yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I, I say yesterday. It is 1 a.m. as I record this episode. I'll, I'll be awake and, and have more complex thoughts for you in the latter half of our double header on Thursday, but I wanted to get this out and recorded while it was still th- fresh in my mind because once again we have seen the same problem with this Blue Jays team, and it's not the pitching that got all of the stick uh, during that run of form in May when it just seemed like nothing was going right. Once again, the offense has let this team down. It seems like when they are not facing a team named Baltimore, they cannot figure out what to do at the plate. And and uh, Sportsnet posted the numbers after today's game, and it was atrocious. It was five total runs scored in three games at Tropicana Field, which... I swear, once they finally decide to demolish that eyesore, I will book a bus trip down to Tampa Bay, and I will literally dance on the rubble. I am not much of a dancer. I, I have a tall, lanky frame. It does not end well on the, on the floor for me, but I will go and I will dance the finest Irish jig that I can muster once they implode that nightmare dome that the Rays call a stadium it it seems silly to blame the stadium but it, again Tropicana Field is a house of horror for, for the Jays and this time it haunted the bats it was it was a joke watching chance after chance just get squandered again by this Blue Jays team how many times did the Blue Jays get a run like today carbon copy of last week's Yankees game. You get a marvelous turn from your pitching sap. Jay Happ goes out there. The pitch count gets a little high with Happ, but he throws his five innings and the bullpen comes out and they do enough to keep it going. Oh, Barnes loop. They, they did enough to, to quell the, the raised bats. Ryan DePera going out there trying to throw two innings. And just, again, nothing. They they got n- absolutely zero support. Again, this Blue Jays team can not hit properly. And it, it, start, it starts with trying to get runners on base. You have too many guys. Just I want to focus on what Joe Siddle said after the broadcast today. Because Joe Siddle was, was pretty much bang on with what he said in watching the Blue Jays at the plate. The Blue Jays are trying to be a home run hitting team, and they are not. They do not have anyone who consistently hits home runs. The 
The only three guys who should be trying to hit for power on that team are Teoscar Hernandez, Justin Smoke, and Kendris Morales. They will have varying degrees of success, but only those three guys should be aiming for home runs. The remaining six batters in that lineup should be playing for contact. They should be playing for hit. And I know Salarte has double digits home runs this season, but that's not natural for him to be doing. And you see the expense of Salarte taking this desire to be a home run threat. And you see him again, we said this time and time again, you see them pound balls into the dirt because they're reaching for these pitches. As Siddle said, they're reaching for these pitches. They're not, letting them come into the zone and they just get driven into whatever substance the Rays used on that infield. I don't think it's dirt. It's got to be like crushed up beer bottles or something. Just, I, it was miserable trying to watch that. And then it got even worse when they actually did have runners in scoring position and could try to get something going. Sports that said they were three for 19 with runners in scoring position during this series. 17 men left on base. An absolute joke. Everyone can see it. My dad said this when he was on the podcast. This Blue Jays team wants to go for the big shot. They want to go for the home runs and they are not capable of doing it on a regular basis. And it frustrates me every time because there should be enough guys who can hit for contact on the seat. Curtis Granderson was a great contact hitter. Yeah, he has to change his strategy because he's 38, but he knows how to hit for contact. Kevin Pillar, Kevin Pillar should be choking up on the bat and hitting for contact. I don't know why he consistently opens himself up and tries to drive it. He's a center fielder. He's not Mike Trout. He's not Mookie Bess. He should be trying to do what he did in April, and that's make solid contact. If you make good enough contact, the home run will come anyway. You don't have to repeatedly put yourself in harm's way by extending and trying to get that big power swing, that uppercut swing. It just creates so many holes in your motion, and pitchers have been able to do that so many times to the Blue Jays this year. It, it gets to be absolutely ridiculous. And I saw online, I, I'm sorry, I forget who, who I first saw this from, but they noticed that all the fans are calling for John Gibbons' head and, and, and asking when he's going to be, be fired. I think the better question, as this person noted, is when is Brooke Jacoby's head come up on the chopping block? Because this is a second straight subpar year that Brooke Jacoby's offense has had. They they don't make any contact. They they try to go for these uppercuts, and there's no one, no one on this team outside of the three guys I mentioned, Teoscar, Smoke, and Morales, who have the power capability to justify continuously going out there with that kind of approach at the plate. The rest of the guys should be needing to get on base. That should be their primary goal. Luke Maley, try to get on base. Alemis Diaz came close, came close to knocking that out of the part. And man, left field has been a real trouble spot for the Blue Jays in that three-game series. But 
He should be trying to get on base, trying to get these solid contact hits, not not going for the fences every time. I, It's like the Blue Jays got stuck in that mentality when they had all the home run hitters, when they had Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion and healthy Troy Tulowitzki, and, and they can't break themselves out of it. It's just so tantalizing to think about that. Oh, just one swing, just one swing, and we could No. No, there's not the talent on this team to be able to do that. And I'm getting frustrated watching it again because there, it's not a sound approach. And I don't know if it comes from Gibbons or if it comes from Jacoby, but whoever keeps pressing that on this team should be relieved of duties because it does not work and it has not worked for the last year and a half. And it, I, I hate calling for, for people to be fired, but someone needs to pay the price for this continued failed approach that the Blue Jays take at the plate. Yeah, small ball isn't sexy, but you see what the Rays do to get run. They, they had Malik Smith up there, who I learned during the series may have one of the best walk-up songs in baseball because... He has Damian Marley's Welcome to Jamrock, and that's an awesome song. And that's another reason why I like Malik Smith. I liked him when he was in Atlanta. And they they got him on board, and they just they scraped him in. They made solid contact to advance Malik's to third, and then you get a 300-hitting third baseman. Novel concept, having a 300-hitter up in Matt Duffy, who delivered the winning run. And, and that was it. That was the ball game. They manufactured the run they needed. The Blue Jays cannot manufacture runs. They keep waiting for home runs or or for pitchers to make mistakes. And I actually want to talk about the the whole pitchers making mistakes thing right after this. Okay, admittedly with the Rays coming up on the schedule and this whole we're going to go with openers thing, I was worried. I was worried because this strategy is not new against the Blue Jays. It had been successfully deployed by the Oakland Athletics. Oakland didn't plan on it. They had to have two of their starters go down due to injury to implement it. But it worked perfectly for Oakland because the Blue Jays could not do anything against a fruit salad of pitchers coming out to face them. So, of course, after having a decent day against nominal starter Ryan Yarbrough on, on, in the opener, the Blue Jays faced the entire pitching staff of the Rays and could not do anything about it because this whole let's use our bullpen strategy that the Rays have been contacted. And, and again, you go back to what the Athletics did. This whole bullpen strategy plays perfectly to lean into the Blue Jays' weaknesses at the plate. And that's a tendency to be over-aggressive, to swing on pitches outside of the zone, and to really need pitchers to make mistakes to to capitalize on them. You think about the times that the Blue Jays had the best chances to score in the last two days against the Rays. It came when pitchers were getting tired. When Austin Pruitt was going in the Tuesday game, 
the the Blue Jays got to him in the fifth inning, and that was their best chance to get runs against him. But again, wrong approach at the plate, failed to get runs in. Pruitt was out the next inning, and the, and the chance was gone. And they they just kept kept throwing these guys out there. Um, today they started Wilmer Font, who's on his third team this year, had an ERA above nine, made Joe Biagini look good, and he shut the Blue Jays down over three and a third innings. And it, it there was absolutely no reason for that to happen. But again, the Blue Jays see a new pitcher come in, and they get really aggressive, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get this guy." So no. No, that's not the time to be going hyper-aggressive at a guy. That's the time to be sitting back, making the new pitcher come in, make some pitches, and start tiring that arm, start working him so he makes those mistakes that the Blue Jays have been capitalizing on. The Blue Jays are such a mistake-hitting team. They love mistakes. Any Anytime Kendris Morales somehow gets a fastball, he will pound that sucker. Any Anytime Justin Smoke gets a fat one all over the plate, he will launch all over that. These Blue Jays are great at hitting mistakes, but teams that deploy this bullpen strategy don't make them. The, re- the reason they got so many off Baltimore is because they had the Orioles kept trotting out pitchers who aren't ready. They The reason they came back last Thursday in that opener against Baltimore is because they had a pitcher in Brad Brock on his third day of work, and he had absolutely nothing left. He kept leaving everything in the plate for, for the Blue Jays. They're not going to get that, and especially not going to get that if a manager is trotting out a fresh pitcher every two innings. And it gets even worse when you help them stretch that out to three and a third or three and two thirds as Matt Andreese got today. I, I, I'm so, again, I'm so frustrated trying to watch this Blue Jays team go out there with the same approach that, that they're, they're seemingly, it's, it's a definition of insanity going out there and expecting different results with the same approach. They go out there and they think they can be this hyper-aggressive team, but None of them are swinging six confidently enough to be a kind of guy who can capitalize on that. I'm I'm going to take a deeper look at those four games in particular, the four games where they ended up in a bullpen situation. But again, I, w- I would love to see the data that I come up with because I'm pretty confident that the Blue Jays do not take pitches outside of Curtis Granderson, who does that because he knows that's the best way for him to get on base. No one takes pitches on this Blue Jays team, and no one waits. They they get so swing happy, and again that sets that sets them up for what opposing pitchers want to do, which is get Blue Jays hitters to start chasing things that aren't really in their zone, that they they can de- deceive hitters with and make it look like oh you're gonna give it, oh no it's in the dirt and you swung at it anyway. Good good work good work on that one. It it honestly gets tiring trying to watch that over and over like on on saturday pat tabler saying saying kendris morales assumed he was going to get a fastball at 02 no he was he better not have like like i i said this on twitter if kendris thought he was getting a fastball at 02 then he is the sole person in the world who thought that because everyone everyone knew that Kendris Morales was going to get a curveball on 0-2, and he swung at that curveball, and he missed badly at that curveball. And and again, this devolution 
of the Blue Jays offense is is what's going to keep them from any kind of success. And it's probably going to keep them from success for, for at least another year. And I, I say that I'm going to, I'm going to close with this. <laughs> this is, this is a worst attempt at being positive. I think I can muster, but for the, for the fans that hopped on this team in 2015, 2016, and are struggling to figure out what they want to do now, now that the team looks absolutely mediocre. There is a chance for it to wave back. There, there is a chance for that wave to come back up. I, I was looking at the 2014 season today, and do you know how many of the teams that made the American League playoffs in that year are close to a playoff berth right now? There's one close, but none of those five teams are occupying a playoff spot right now because your division winners that year in 2014, so four seasons ago, your division winners were Baltimore, Detroit, and the Angels. And then the wildcard teams were Kansas City and Oakland. Only the Angels are close, and they don't have Shohei Otani anymore. So it, 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 show, it shows what kind of fluctuations you actually get in baseball it's kind of deceptive how how much baseball standings can change from year to year now just just with the emphasis on youth teams have to get their cores ready much quicker and again you see teams like the cubs and the astros kind of get theirs and try and build theirs for for a good length of time but also luck comes into play especially with the injuries so Again, that that was a year that the Yankees and Red Sox didn't make it. That was before the Astros were ready. So it it, it will come around again. Maybe not for the Yankees, because man, the youth they've built up. I it's just another reason for me to hate them. The Red Sox might be a softer target. I don't think they can keep that outfield together for for much longer. And they're they're all of a sudden relying on Mitch Moreland to be their everyday cleanup guy. Ahead of JD Martinez, who who knows how that contract's gonna look. So there's there's more of a chance for Boston to fall back to the pack than and then I think people realize. And by the time that happens, which may not be 2019, maybe 2020, the Blue Jays are well positioned to ride that wave back up. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be in the major leagues. Bo Bichette will be in the major leagues. They will have a lineup that will compete with the best of what New York and Boston hopefully has to offer. They will they will hopefully have peak Marcus Stroman and peak Aaron Sanchez at the top of their rotation. If Scott Boris doesn't do anything stupid and try and convince Aaron Sanchez that he's a nine-figure guy. The Blue Jays do have a chance to compete in the future. It, it doesn't look like it's going to come right now, but I urge Blue Jays fans who are, are looking for that soft patch of grass to, to jump off the bandwagon. I wouldn't. I wouldn't because then where's where's the joy in your life? Where's the jo- You saw how many years the Washington Capitals fans waited for that first taste of Stanley Cup glory and how much sweeter it was knowing they finally had it, that their, their guys who they followed for over a decade, finally got there, that Alex Ovechkin got to become the Russian party animal that he is still to this day, I believe. I, I believe he's still on the same bender. But 
yeah, I I just wanted to throw that out there as kind of kind of a a shot of hope, I guess, that it can get better than than what it is right now. I'm not predicting another 20 years without playoff berths for this team. Just you, you got to take the bad with the good. You got to you got to be able to ride ride the nadir until you hit the zenith. And and that's if, if I'm using fancy words like that, it's probably a sign for me to go to bed. So I'm going to end this recording session of the Locked On Blue Jays podcast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, if you're not doing that already, I don't know why. I mean, yeah, I was silent today, but, you know, that's because I was at the beach. Uh, follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. Follow the podcast at Locked On Jays. And, yeah, um, I know it's an off day today, but we... We'll come back. Hopefully we'll have a guest on. If not, you get to hear me talking in a higher quality a little later. And we will we will do a little more looking to the future, maybe for the rest of this year. Um, Marcus Stroman did make a rehab start today, so we'll look, look more at that. What can we expect from Stroman, maybe? But yeah, that'll come later on the podcast. But since y'all listened to this one, I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for tuning in to Locked On Blue Jays. And y'all take care.